Ladies and gentlemen, it has been way too long since we welcomed Andy Maslin into the filibuster freestyle. That's about to change after the theme song. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. All right, ladies and gents, as promised, theme song is over. Andy Maslin joins us from the great state of Florida, the Sunshine State. What's up, Andy? I love being on the podcast, but I... Every time you say the theme song is over, I get upset that I didn't hear it. I have to play it for myself, you know, right before I go on next time. Yeah, it's like it really. Um, all the old school, like original guests, definitely get bummed out that we don't play it during the podcast anymore. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, listen, life's a lot harder than the theme song, but we're glad you're joining us. We got a fun little topic today. Um, the main purpose of today's show, we're going to break down the schools that play Division One hockey, mainly the ones that are Division Three schools, tiny little schools in the little nooks and crannies of upstate New York, Colorado, etc. But before that, I want to know, you live in the state of Florida. Florida is apparently open for business. How's quarantine going down there on May 31st, 2020? I mean, it's tough. Down here, compared to most, you know, most of the northeastern states, uh, we never really had a shutdown. Yeah, uh, restaurants were doing takeout. You know, you couldn't eat there. Bars were closed. Some stores chose to close. Some stores didn't. Um, some businesses stayed open. It wasn't quite the um, full lockdown that everybody else got. Um, you know, and we started late. Like, I was out for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Um, St. Patrick's Day was the day that the governor put down the decree saying, you know, bars and restaurants have to close. Actually, I think it was 50% at that point, And then a couple days later, they closed. Wow. Funny thing is, I live in Sarasota County. And what the Florida governor did, for the most part, he came out and said, we don't have the power to shut you guys down. It's up to the different counties. He stepped in a little bit in Broward, um, which is Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Palm Beach, and did some things. But for the most part, he left it up to the counties. Wow. Sarasota County, the board of whoever it is, I'm not that familiar with our government here. Um, I should be, but I'm just not involved in it. So my bad. Well, you haven't lived there your whole life, you know. Um, our, Our county government came out and said, it's not within our charter to give us the power to shut anything down. So that we have to do what the state does. But since the state didn't do anything, Sarasota County didn't shut much down. Wow. The city of Sarasota, like, you know, up in Massachusetts, you know, everything's done by the towns. Down here, the counties are strong. The city of Sarasota put a lot of ordinances in effect. But Sarasota County was not nearly as bad because they didn't shut as much down. Hmm. Interesting. Because they said they couldn't. Because they had no authority to even though they're the governing body. Yes. Wow. Okay. So that's kind of wild. So, so is everything basically back open at this point? Yes, um, I think. Think next weekend bars are allowed to open. Um, you know, wow. you know, just you probably remember from being in the bar business. You're you're either 
if you serve a certain amount of food, you're considered a restaurant. If you don't, you're considered a bar. Correct. Um, I think next week the bars are allowed to open. Right now, you technically have to serve a certain amount of food to be considered. And, a, and when you right. when you mention the bars, do you mean like indoors, fifty percent capacity, or outside seating only bars, or what? Few places I've been to um, have been fifty percent capacity inside, seating outside spread out. Uh, and seating inside is spread out too, so it has to be fifty percent capacity. Um, and the tables have to be six feet apart. One bar I went to, the bar was actually open. Um, they had like, say, the bar normally sat eighteen. They had about uh, probably eight seats at the bar. You know, two two by two spread apart. Uh, most of the other places, a couple of the other places I've been, um, the bar they haven't even actually reopened the bar. Like they're just like the service bars. You know, making drinks for the tables. Wow. Okay. Are breweries open yet or not yet? Um, Are those bars? You know what? I'm not sure. The big brewery by me, they've been doing they've been doing um, canned beer and growlers all along. Yes. And you know what? They did reopen. I know they're reopened. Okay, so they they're fall reopened. under a, they fall under a different classification, but they're still at the fifty percent thing. Got it. Okay. So totally different experience down there in Florida. But actually, I, the, 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 I, I just re, I just remembered. They said they could open, but they're not going to. They're going to continue. Uh, they don't have the capacity to do like all the canning and selling the cans and have the brewery open. So until they can be 100%, I don't think they're actually going to open. So they probably make more money just canning it and selling it to go. Yes. And, and they, they normally do anyways, but in small amounts. Got it. And I, think, I, ju- I just don't think it makes them financial sense for them to open the brewery until they can be 100% and then, you know, cut back on the cans. They got to do kind of one or the other full time. Now, is that the brewery that we all went to? Yeah, probably, yeah. Calusa. Calusa, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. And they, they, they've been killing it too because they're, they're winning. They've been open about four years now, but they're considered one of the top two or three breweries in Florida. Wow. So with canning all this stuff, they're just getting, and people not working, they're just getting people driving from all over the state to pick up their beer. And that's the magic right there. Yep, and well, it's about three miles from my house, which is perfect. On official sponsor of the week, Calusa Brewing, out of the old, what is it, Sarasota area. Boom, done. Boom, perfect. All right, Andy Maz, by the way, thank you for sending me a couple great picks from like 2004, St. Patrick's Day in Worcester this week. Really good stuff. Yeah, those are not for public consumption. Um, well, you know, Andy, it brings up the um, the age-old thing that guys and gals our age like to say, which is we're really glad social media and phones on cameras on phones didn't exist when we were, when we were in college. The, the funny thing I did notice, I, I had a lot, but I remember back then, I would always just stop at like a Walgreens or a CVS while we were already drinking and pick up a like disposable camera. I am not in any of the pictures. Yeah, you're the you're the photog. It's great. <laughs> you, but the thing is, like, nobody even knows these pictures. And again, I'm not talking about just our pictures. I'm saying all pictures from like 2003. No one really remembers taking or being a part of because they never saw them. Yeah. And now that we're you know 20 years older, we're like, oh, here's some pictures from when you were like 24 years old. And you're like, oh wow, okay, good times. It's the funny thing too. Even even when we went digital with pictures and yep. put them all on our computer, I still couldn't tell you half of those ones. It's now that they're on Facebook and they pop up every year. Yeah, they remind you. They were, yeah the anniversary. Yeah. 
the anniversary of your bad decision or good decision or random whatever. Yes. But back then you had to do your own accounting. Anyway, speaking of accounting, um, hockey is coming back in the professional level, NHL. Maybe we'll touch on that later. Maybe we won't. Professional soccer's back in Europe. It's starting to come back. It's back in Germany, etc. But there's a pod you and I have wanted to do for a while. Now is as good a time of any because there's not really a lot of sports going on. There's these, and you're, you know, you are a legit hockey guy. Everybody knows this if you've been listening to the podcast the last five years. But there are like these, you know, a bunch of schools that play Division One hockey that are not Division One schools. A lot of them are Division Two. In fact, fourteen of them are. And then there's, there's six of them that are actually Division Three schools. And by the way, there's a couple of Division One schools like Merrimack College, UMass Lowell, that used to be D2, D3. So a lot of little like niche fun stuff here. You and I are going to bring some of these D3 ones down. But we've been wanting to do this for a while. Now's as good a time as any, so I'm, yeah. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, so before we get into the niche schools, I have two things I want to say. And I already know this. I'm going to use my one swear for the year right now. Let's do it. Alabama Huntsville. Just drop your fucking hockey program. Every three, four years, you come up and say you're going to drop your program, and then you don't because you get a donor or you raise a million dollars, and you do it again and again and again. You're not competitive. Nobody wants you in their league. They're all, you're only there because you need you. You you keep your program and you don't put any money into it. Just drop your program so we don't have to go through this again in five years. Yeah, let me ask you this. What is the deal with their program? So Alabama, Huntsville, University of Alabama at Huntsville. Honestly, Andy, it would make more sense if Roll Tide Tuscaloosa just picked up the program and did what Arizona State is doing out in Arizona in terms of at least they could bankroll it with like a big like a big program. You know what I mean? Well, back in – and here's the thing. College hockey is a niche sport that's played mostly in the Northeast and mostly in Minnesota and Michigan. Yeah. And – in the 80s, it was even more that way. And somehow back then, when the game was completely different, um, and this is probably going back to late 90s, is that when um, uh, like Bentley and Holy Cross and all those schools went to Division One? That was late 90s. Mid, mid, yeah, late I, think 90s, right. I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah. Alabama Huntsville was a powerhouse in Division Two. Got it. National title worthy year in and year out. And then as Division Two was blowing up, a bunch of these schools jumped to Division One, thinking that they could continue it, and they never did. Um, and a few of them were in the Northeast, and you know, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But like, you're not a Division One program in hockey. Stop trying to be. And honestly, I hate to say it, but same with the Alaska schools. You're just too much of a travel nightmare. It's tough, right? It's very tough. I hate to say it because I want as many Division One teams as, as possible in hockey. I want it to be a national game. But, the, the I mean, the two Alaska schools in Alabama, Huntsville, the problem also is they're not big enough schools. Arizona State ex- expanding the footprint I think is great. But they have they're they're a big name school. They're a pack they're a pack pack eight school. Um, I'm still in 1980, so it's a pack eight school for me. Um, <laughs> um, you know they've put the money into the program. Um, it's kind of an interesting fit. Uh, it's a good place for um, a lot of teams to go on the road and play a weekend series. Well, this is the Snowbirds too. So you got the fan base. You get to see the sun if you're in a northern school. It's, it's yeah, like you said, it's a nice little it's a nice little niche at a brand name school it's a good idea 
Yeah, it's a brand, and the brand name is the key, and they're bringing in, and you'll hear me mention this later, they're bringing in Power 5 money. Correct. You know, it's a huge athletic program. Alabama Huntsville is not. Alaska Anchorage, Alaska Fairbanks are not. Correct. Yeah, I mean, so, you're almost better off, and again, like, this is not a one-to-one, but, you know, if the Alaska teams, and again, this is like if, this is a very professional hockey-type take, like, oh, just relocate, which is not true, but... If the two Alaska schools could just be like Washington State and Oregon State instead of the Alaska schools, at least it's a brand name school. And if Alabama could be the real University of Alabama instead of Alabama Huntsville, could you pull hockey off? I mean, maybe, but at least you have the big, the big, you know, college football playoff money behind you. At Alabama yeah. Huntsville or Alaska Alaska Fairbanks, you don't. You just yeah. Don't. I mean, they they can't even get kids. The Alaska schools, they can't even get kids to go to recruiting visits. I mean, going to college in Alaska, if you're not from Alaska, is a big ask. Well, especially, too, where recruiting and hockey is just, it's, it, you know, just like anything, you know, most of these kids are, are playing somewhere in the Midwest or the Northeast, and, and a couple of the Canadian Junior Leagues out, out, on, the, out on the Western side have, have really started putting up players now. But they're trying to get out there and get back for games. I mean, Alaska is a full day of travel there and a full day of travel back. Oh, totally. Guys, you know, like Alaska is really far away. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can conceivably, if you're playing in the USHL, um, you know, play a game on a Saturday and then be at a Minnesota game on a Saturday night. Right. So. Makes sense to me. Um, um, and and then the, the, the second thing I was going to say is, is as college hockey is a niche sport, it's one of the, it probably the only like big time sport, and I know call, calling hockey big time sports a little bit borderline, but you know, it's the bottom of the big four. Sure. It's the only one where these smaller schools, and I think that's where Huntsville and, so, and like when Fairfield went D1 and these couple teams from the back and these Division three teams playing up, and a lot of them are part of the fabric of college hockey in there. But you see a, you know, Minnesota State, a UMass Lowell. Vermont, Maine, UNH, guys who aren't national names in any other sport Correct. are competing for national titles in year in and year out. So I think some of these schools we're going to talk about, and some of the ones I just mentioned, thought that they could just catch that lightning in a barrel and say, hey, you don't have to be a big-time sports school, uh, Power 5 football, uh, Top 25 basketball to compete in hockey. Right. But, well, what's interesting is, you know, you think about the niches too. Just and I didn't plan on doing this tonight, but if you go to like the Philadelphia Big Five, right? Like St. Joseph's University has no business, you know, going to the Elite Eight when they did or being legit. But like, it's part of the fabric of that city, and they found a way because it's like the niche. And I do think in hockey, you still see these schools that are, you know, two thousand person schools, right? Three thousand person schools. And, and people are driving their snowmobiles to games, like at St. Lawrence University, way up in New York State. And it's a little bit of that Gonzaga theory, like, can we be the next Gonzaga, but we're going to do it in hockey. And actually, the, the, the back-to-back national champs are the University of Minnesota Duluth, Division II school, Division One hockey. They're doing it in a way, but like... Yeah, and I mean, and this year, you know, they're the back-to-back national champions, have been the best team. Minnesota State, who's a small school, is is right, when the season ended, was rated number three in the country. Um, they, they, I think they were a number one seed a couple of years ago, and they might have been upset by RIT or someone like that. Sure. But 
but but also you got to remember they're in Minnesota, which is probably if I had to guess probably produces the number one the most Division one college hockey players in the country. Correct. And, 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 I, and I'm just looking. Bemidji State is also in the top in the top ten. Yeah, and they're it's it's actually funny that uh, Minnesota is not. I mean, Andy, you you mentioned it, and you nailed it. You nailed it earlier. You said, you know, it's a northeastern sport with some Minnesota and some Michigan. And honestly, we're not planning on going through all the D two schools that play, but with the exception of the two Alaska schools, Alabama, Huntsville, and a couple of schools in Massachusetts, they're all in Michigan or Minnesota. All yep. the D two schools. Yeah, exactly. But then you got the D3 schools, and that's kind of where, and again, we can talk however you want, but you've got six schools in Division Three that are somehow like we're going to play D1 hockey, and they are mostly in New York State. So you got Clarkson, Rensselaer Polytech, RPI, Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT, St. Lawrence University, Union College, and you've got the one out west, Colorado College, which is in Colorado Springs, same city of the Air Force Academy is in. Very interesting yeah. stuff. Well, and, it's, and, and here's the thing. When we talk about those schools, RIT and Union do not offer scholarships. Right. No scholarships to that. Colorado College, I'll, I'll put Colorado College, Clarkson, St. Lawrence. They've been Division I schools forever. Um, you know, Colorado College, you know, you sent out the notes. They won a couple of titles in, 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 uh, in the, like 50s. the 50s. Yeah, exactly. And it's been a solid team all the way through. As the game's changed as it is now, they've struggled. And, you know, that happens. They have every chance to go on top. But they fit in nicely. They're a Western school. You got Colorado College. You got Denver, North Dakota. You got a couple teams out there that, 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 um, that, are not bad for travel, and they've been a Division One school so long. They're part of the boys' club. They're they're oh. going to get put in a conference. They're not going to get kicked out of a conference. Yeah, they're never going to be because. searching. Got it. Okay. Um, you know, St. Lawrence and Clarkson. That I mean, you when you're up in that area, you talk about guys going to um, you know uh, going to their going to the games on snowmobiles. Like when you get up in that area. It's almost like Alabama-Auburn when you start talking hockey with fans up there. Yes. Clarkson and St. Lawrence. It is, it's the, you know, um, what is it, ECAC schools refer to, the, refer to that as the North Country schools, right? Correct. And, and you know, it's in an area, they're part of the fabric. Clarkson has always been a good team. They had a few down years in the early 2000s, but they're, they're in the game. And, you know, they're a smaller school, but they know their niche. They, all, the, all those schools, and here's the other thing. All these schools are mentioned, include uh, RIT, I'll put on the bubble because they play in a nice rink. Uh, but <laughs> all the schools play in in facilities that are, you walk in there and you're like, this is an old school hockey barn. I love it. They fill them up every night. Yep. It's an atmosphere. It's it's the toughest ticket in town. You know, you're, you're in these old mill towns and old northern towns. It's it's the game. You know, it's, it's, a, division, it's a division one feel. Yeah, right. If you can't get the Division One feel, why even play Division One? That's totally true. I, I know, I know quite a few people who went to Norwich or Plattsburgh rather than going to some of these lower Division One schools, like uh, uh, you know the, the Fairfields, the whole the well, Holy Cross. American International College, American International, Bentley. Yeah. You know, Bentley is a good school. Holy Cross is a great school, but hockey-wise, they they don't have the fabric like you're talking about. Yeah, and like Union, Union was so bad for so long 
they won a national title since 2014, and they, they've been good. But they have a coach that's doing it. Correct. I wonder if they've built a program or if they have a coach. Well, and that's what you look at, right? Because if you look at the schools that we're talking about here, most of them are in New York State, right? And so, like you said, throw, throw RIT out. They're in the Atlantic Hockey Conference. It's not a strong league. They have made three tournament appearances. They've all been in the past decade, but but they're not the same as being in ECAC hockey or in Colorado College's case in the, what is it, NCA, NCHC, right? Yeah, I think that's where they are. So, they were one of the schools. Den- Denver has been a, done a very good job of putting them under their wing and taking them wherever they go. Sure, exactly, which is nice because it's a travel partner, right? But so you exactly. look at Clarkson, okay, ECAC hockey, great league, 21 NCAA appearances. They, including the last two years, you know, 18 and 19. They've never won the title, but they've been good lately. You go to RPI, Rensselaer Tech, nine appearances, but all before 2011. Two national titles, one in the 50s, one in the 80s, kind of picking their spots. And, yeah. and, and, I mean, you're talking in the 80s, Adam Oates, Joe Juno, Darren Cooper. Uh, that's when Mike Odessa, uh, who's a Massachusetts guy, was the coach. Yes. And, and they would have kept rolling Odessa back then got involved in a racial controversy. Oh boy. He had uh, I believe it was Graham it was Graham Townsend who was playing for him. Okay. And he referred to him as my N word. Oh he did he not say that. N-word. You don't say that then, you don't say that now. You yeah. don't say that. And then, and then even back then the cover up was oh we're friends, it's a joke between us. And then Graham Townsend spoke out and said, No, we're not. You know, that's not cool. Well and rightfully so um, yeah, so they probably would have kept it rolling even longer. It took them a, um, like I said, when we talk about these coaches, Odessa is one of these guys. Um, and up until a few years ago, he was still coaching junior hockey. Um, I played for him. He was a miserable person to play for, but he got the most out of his players. He was a guy who knew how to find under the radar players that were that no one else was getting and, yep. and keep them off the radar until they actually signed that, yep. that, uh, and that, that, that letter. That is two things. Such a college basketball coach move for the mid-majors that do it right. And then also, if you look at these other New York schools, right? So talked about RPI, right? They had it going, you know, whatever. Uh, St. Lawrence, again, 16 NCAA appearances, but none since 07. Union. Yep. Uh, they, they've been, they had Joe Marsh, who was a legendary coach. Yep. Um, he, he was there for a long time, and his last few years weren't very good, and they haven't been able to turn it up since. And that's how it goes, right? And same thing with Union. Union was D three, you know. Union graduated up, and then and then between 2011 and like 2017, they went to five NCAA's, including like you said earlier, winning 2014. What I would say is, at these schools, where the fabric of the town, the area, is the the, the hockey lineage. If you have a coach who can outkick his punt coverage from recruiting an X's and O standpoint, you can be as good as anybody. But to your point, it is fleeting. Whereas at a place like a BC or a Michigan or an Ohio State or a North Dakota, you know you're gonna get the top coaches every time because you've just got that size and that scale and that scope. Yeah, and the other thing I will say, this just popped in my head, especially with those ECAC schools. Um, as we talk budgets for these these schools, and this is probably you know obviously your area of expertise. The ECAC is a bus league; they take buses Correct. everywhere. Correct. I mean, we're at the point where in, in hockey East, BU and BC fly to Maine. You know, right? E- ECAC is a traditional bus league, 
and compared to and I, that's why it's got to be even harder on Colorado College because they're flying a lot. They have to, right? They're spending a lot of that budget on the flying. Yeah, being a bus league allows them to stay Division One and possibly stay competitive. Exactly, and that goes back to that whole Big Five thing I was talking about earlier, where little Catholic schools like LaSalle can find a way because half of their home games are only twenty minutes away, you know, and or half sorry half their road games are twenty minutes away, and that's allows them to fly the rest of the time. And you look at a Union College, and yeah, they're driving everywhere. And and the other thing is that ECAC league is funny because. You're playing six or whatever it is Ivy League teams that can't have quote scholarships, so and they have those academic uh, rigors. So you get a different kind of kid academically. Maybe you give them a ride. Maybe you don't. But none of those teams are good at the same time. That's the other thing, right? Like you got all these schools: Clarkson, RPI, Union, St. Lawrence. It's not like two of them are going to the Frozen Four in the same year. Like they can't possibly pull that off. Yeah, I believe that there was a stretch in the '80s when a lot of them were good, but the game and the game has changed. Correct, and Western Canada has gotten so big, right? Yeah. The other thing and, is this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and, and like the other thing is when we talk about um, some of these like coaches that that get some of these smaller programs up and running, like a Mike Adessa at RPI, who I spoke of, and I can speak clearly on him because I played for him. And like I said, he was a, not a nice person, but a great hockey guy. Yep. He fits at RPI. Joe Marr, same guy, old school New England guy. Um, they fit in these small towns, and they can just stick to hockey. When you're the head hockey coach at Minnesota, BU, BC, Michigan, you have to be so much more of a polished, all-around guy. Got it. You can't just be... A hockey guy, because because you're the head of a major program at a major university who's supposed to doing things on a major way. And uh, I'm trying to think the guy guy Clarkson all through the '80s, uh, Mark Morris, okay. same thing. You know, he had some great. I, I think he may have went back to St. Lawrence at one point, couldn't get it going. Uh, but just an old school hockey guy. Yeah, it, it was. I just looked up Mark Morris. I mean. He had seven, eight years in a row with 20 wins at Clarkson in the early 90s. Pretty damn good. So. Well, it reminds uh, me, actually, the more you're talking about it, too, with the niche sports, you know, kind of like, you know, again, not that hockey's a niche, but there are places in the country where it's a stronger spot than others. When I think about lacrosse, right, like, there are definitely people who are coaches at, say, Towson in Maryland for lacrosse. The guy that can succeed at Towson, he can't go to Annapolis and go to the, be the Navy coach, even though it's down the road, because of that profile of having to be polished in 10 other areas. At Towson, yeah. in the early 2000s and the 90s, you can just be a lacrosse guy, and you can be from Maryland, and that's perfect, and you can win a national title or compete for one. But you can't go to the University of Maryland, even though it's the same job, because it's not the same job. Yeah, well, and it's it's different too. The, the uh, like the players you're getting, like my my one in basketball is um, who was who's the guy? Uh, was it Donahue who went from Cornell to BC? Yes, Steve Donahue. Yeah, yeah, he was a great coach, but he's getting a different player and playing a different level of competition in the Ivy League in basketball, which like some of these guys can do in hockey. They can take the talent they have on the floor and out-coach a little bit better talent on the other side. Correct. When you're playing in the ACC, talent wins. Yeah, at the end of the day, absolutely. And it's not so, even close. Um, you know, it's, it's just interesting. You look at how some of these schools has done it, and 
and you know and recruiting you, you look at these schools that, that these smaller schools that have done it now I'll, I'll go with a d2 school umass lowell who is now a powerhouse yep but but you know now they're pumping money into the program but back in the 80s when they jumped and through the 90s they just had the ability to find this top flight under the radar goalie who would keep them in every game. And all these schools were talking about, you know, when Clarkson was good, they had this run with Chris Rogals. We talked about RPI with, um, with, um, with Darren Poopa and a couple guys like that union. I can't remember who their goalie was that year, but they also had Shane Godisphere, the defenseman from the flyers who was just head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, RPI had Paris Duffus for a few years when they were good. St. Lawrence, Mike McKenna. You know, they find these guys who are just under the radar, not not playing for, you know, Omaha in the USHL or Lincoln in the USHL. They're <laughs> right. just playing somewhere else. And like I said, now that now that the scouting has changed and gone more world more worldwide and these there's more scouts in these Western Canadian leagues league games like the British Columbia League, the Saskatchewan Junior League and the um, the Alberta Junior Hockey League, it's tougher to hide a guy. So what would happen what would happen back in the day and, and this was was my this is my personal experience. I had at the time I was down to like two legitimate offers. One was Fairfield, who dropped their program the next year. Yeah. And the other was UMass Lowell. UMass Lowell sent me out to Texas for a year because I didn't even go to training camp with them. They or uh, tryout camp with them. I got sent out by the coach at Lowell made a call. And if you're a school out there, a division one school calls, you know that if you have a kid on their team, you're having one of their scouts at your game quite a few times, they're gonna see another kid. So it makes it makes both sense. On both sides. Fairfield, on the other hand, said sign now or you lose your offer because they you know, they knew that Lowell was my number one choice. Correct. That one. Or any any other school that offered I would have taken over them. Um, and that's what, what B even BU when it was more regional, they would they would stick a kid out in the Alberta Junior League for a year or two or find a kid out there and let him develop for, you know, yeah. a, a couple seasons and no one would see him. The game has changed a little bit. Where there's now, you know, in hockey, in in the in football, you have twenty four seven in rivals. There's a couple sites like that for hockey now that are doing that. So it's become a lot tougher to hide a kid. Makes total sense, and it's just the global, the global thing that happens with recruiting is like once somebody gets gets an an edge, people start looking at well, where are they going? How are they doing it? What are they thinking? Yeah, about? and then yeah, and then yeah, it kind of blows up. The edge is gone. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard about this new thing called the internet. That's changed a lot. I bet it has. Uh, I haven't heard of it, but I've heard good, I've heard people talk about it. I just don't understand it. <laughs> um, so listen, let's let's go through and talk about these these sixty three schools first. If you and again, like I know that right now Clarkson is a hot hand, right? Like they've been to the last two tournaments. They seem to be the New York tiny school doing it right now, but. Who who which who's got the best chance to be to be good without a certain coach being the difference maker? Like who who is the best setup to be good? Do you think? Um, I I'd say either Colorado. I mean, Colorado College probably. Um, like I said, Union I think is the is the coaching thing. Yep. Um, and and they'll never be on that level, but I think RIT. Is still going to do- is still going to be the top team, one of the top teams in the uh, Atlantic Conference year in and year out. Uh, they were a dominant Division three school. They know how to recruit Canada. 
Um, some of the majors they have, it's just a little bit of a different school when it comes, you know, there's yeah. a lot of like fashion design. I guess like you, yeah, sure. So it's a little bit of a different niche than everybody else. So I think RIT will continue to be a really good program because they know what they're doing. Colorado College is going to come back around. Yep. And then I think Union will fall off for their coach ever leaves. And then with RPI, St. Lawrence, and even Clarkson, I just don't see any of the three of them being that good at the same time. Correct. There's only so many um, guys, and, and only one of them can really own it at a and, time. And one of the things that's really helped those schools is Vermont being a dumpster fire. Yeah, what's going on there? Their coach is terrible. Okay, I'll do it. Um, they just—I don't even know if they've announced their new hire yet. Um, they went hard after the Jerry Keefe, who was the assistant, the top assistant at Northeastern, yep. who's turned Northeastern into a top top ten program. Yep. Uh, and Northeastern came up with a bag of cash for him, and prom- from what I understand, a bag of cash for him, and promised him uh, that he's kind of the head coach in waiting. Uh, and I think he's smart enough to know that. Not, the college hockey world is so small. There's not that many jobs. Yep. If he goes to a Vermont and doesn't win, and they talk, he was talking about a Dartmouth, you get one shot. If you go there and you don't win, you're never getting another another head coach job, head coaching job again. Right, right. You got to really pick your spots. All right. Before we wrap it up, well, let's talk about some of these D two schools. Um, especially, I want to give some focus to the the the, Mich- the Michigan and Minnesota ones because I do feel like the ones on the East Coast. Northeast are, are just not necessarily situated for greatness. But so you got AIC and Bentley probably not going to get over the hump here in Massachusetts. Is that a fair but statement? They, they, the one thing that they both have is they both – Bentley has a brand-new arena on campus. Yep. And they everybody thought they were going to build like a five or 6,000-seat barn, but they kept it, I think, to about 3,000, which tells everybody they're not going to Hockey East. They're going to stay there. Yep. But in a two or 3,000-seat barn, you can fill that every night and yep. have an atmosphere. There you go. AIC, right now they're doing it with a head coach, Eric Lang, who's an alum, and they he got offered the St. Lawrence job and turned it down. Wow. And I believe they're building an on-campus rink. Got it. Okay, so uh, there's actually maybe some brighter days there. There may be some brighter days. Like I said, you, you've got to keep it going with the recruiting, though. Got like it. I said, the, the schools like Holy Cross, like I said, that's an active academic thing. Sacred Heart's on the way up in that right now. But you have to have an arena on campus, a good arena. I've played in better high school ranks than Holy Cross has for an arena. Correct. I hear you. I, I mean, that's where, that's where we played our games when I played at Worcester State. But it's not a dump, but it's not a Division One arena. No, definitely not. I got you. So, all right, hit me up with some thoughts on these schools. Bemidji State. They're here to stay. Here to stay. Okay. They 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 have a program running. Um, them Minnesota State just they got it and and they 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 also they they recruit well. Um, they don't recruit. They do the recruiting thing where they don't go after the top kid that's going to go to Minnesota or Michigan or North Dakota. They got they take the two and three stars and get them in the weight room get them yep. um, buy, buying into their program. And, and, you know, the difference in hockey is kids can play juniors for a couple of years. They're getting the older kid, and they're just playing a physical style. Yep, they're going with 23-year-old seniors instead of 21-year-old seniors, right? Yep. And, th- and think about that. Like, people don't understand. So you play two two years of juniors, you're 20, you're 20 years old going into college, which means you're end of your senior year, you might be 24 or 25 these top schools, um, the BU's, BC's, Michigan's, Minnesota's, the Duluth's, 
they're getting the top 18-year-olds. And, hey, they're more skilled, but they're an 18-year-old freshman playing against a 24- or 25-year-old senior. I'm a man. I'm 24. I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well said. So so the, the Bemidji State thing and the Minnesota Mankato slash Minnesota State thing is the same thing, going for that older kid, that two-star, three-star kid, developing a four-year program kid, right? Yeah, and they also each manage to get usually one like one really stud. good one stud who likes the program, is close to home or something. Late, late bloomer who committed to them. When I say late bloomer, you know, He's 16 or 17 instead of 14 or 15. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> committed to them early as a stud as a freshman. Got it. And they find good goaltending. Got it. Okay, let's go to uh, Ferris State. What do they got there? Ferris State's one of those schools. They've been Division One for a long time. And they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. That's Michigan, uh, you know, right? Is that Michigan? Yeah. Okay. And then they, these guys I know were good at least once. Uh, Lake Superior State. That's some real hockey country right there. Yeah, they're never going to be good again. Um, they, they had a good run mid nineties, early mid nineties. Yep. Um, Jeff Jackson was the coach there. Uh, when he was a young, I mean, think about it. That was, that was 30 years ago. He, that was like his first head coaching job. He recruited Canada real well. Um, got kids not to play major junior, got older kids out of some of the non-major junior leagues up there. I think the years they wanted their average age on their team was 23, 24, but that was a coach who was able to take a program mm, and it. make it a good program rather than it being a good, um, you know, if you've ever been up there, it's impossible to get there. It's either like a 10 hour bus ride or you take a puddle jump or it's, it's a long trip. Yeah, for sure. And it's a, it's a, it's what, it's the thing They're They're going up against the big boys and they don't have the athletic budget Correct. and it's not, it, it's not a bus league. No, it's not. So here's one out of Atlantic hockey. I mean, it's not a great spot, it seems like, but I don't know enough about it. Mercyhurst on Lake Erie. Nothing's doing there? Um, they had a good run for a while. Uh, I think Rick Gotkin was or is the head coach there. Um, he, I, I don't think they're going to be good. I think what he did is um, he was able to take advantage of the, of the, the MAC or the Atlantic Hockey League when it wasn't very good. Got he it. was about he was good. He was able to get enough talent and coach um, against teams where he had a better budget than and could outcoach some of these coaches because not all those schools back then were committed to Division One. Quite a few of them dropped their program. Got it. Um, and um, was able to take advantage of the lower competition. I don't see them being as good um, as they were in the past. They have a couple NCAA uh, NCAA tournament appearances. They do. That's correct. All right, last couple, because we know Minnesota Duluth is a two-time national champs. They clearly know what they're doing at the moment. Um, Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan, where do we stand on those two programs? Um, Northern, um, I believe they have a national title. I think they beat BU in a national title game. Wow. Um, I don't – same thing as, as Lake Superior State, just never going to get in there. They yep. get a second rate. They get, uh, they, get, they, get a, they get the leftovers. They get nobody. Um, Michigan Tech, same thing. Um, they've been better in years past. That league that they're in, yep. so when the CCHA – when the Big Ten came on came on board and sponsored hockey, yeah. the WCHA and the CCHA had a big, you know, big bit to do and, and split up. 
and that allowed now actually that allowed that was what allowed Minnesota State and Bemidji to to do kind of jump off. They took advantage of that that lesser league, not the NCHC, the I guess I don't, what they go WCHA or CCHA. Yeah, the other one. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that league's having problems because they're trying to kick the Alaskas out. So there's always turmoil going on. Michigan Tech has a chance to do all right. Um, never be a, a top program uh, year in and year out. If they get enough talent and enough um, certain type of kid to uh, that's looking for that type of school where they could have a good season or two and, and make an NCAA journey. Got it. And I forgot the last one. And these guys have had some success in the past. Great name, great logo, coming out of the Montreal Canadiens style, St. Cloud State. Same thing. Um, they had a great coach. I, I want to say their coach, when they were on their run, I think their coach took the Minnesota job. Ah, okay. Hasn't been able to replicate it in Minnesota because, once again, you're you're getting a different type of kid. Yep. Um, but here's the thing about him. When he was at St. Cloud, he was big in USA hockey. He was he had a year where he was the coach of the uh, World Junior team. That, when you're in that and, you, and you're the head coach one year, uh, usually you're an assistant a year or two before that, but you're involved in it, that's a big thing because – when it comes down to two kids and your head coach of your team is on the you know planning committee, yeah, you have an advantage, and kids know that. So that, when he was at St. Cloud, St. Cloud will be a good program, continues to be. I don't think they'll be what they were, um, but they they have a good um, a good infrastructure in place. Good to know. Okay, cool. So that's kind of that kind of covers all the D two and D three schools that are playing D one hockey. Andy, anything else that people need to know? But this is a great niche podcast. I friggin' love it. It's good stuff. Yeah, you know, I'll just go through some of like the you know, New England schools, like like you know, a school like Merrimack. They never should have joined Hockey East. The Atlantic Hockey Association didn't exist back then, but that would have been the perfect fit for them. They're not. They don't have a big enough budget or a big enough school to go after the big boys. Um, great to see uh, both UMass Amherst and UMass Lowell both. You know, both would have made the tournament this year. Uh, the game, like I said, the game changed. I don't know, fifteen years ago, when the uh, when the USA Hockey started their training and development program, because yep. then you were getting all eighteen year olds that were that were studs. Yeah. And BU wasn't going after them for a while, then realized they had to. But it's like the one and done thing in college. You're usually only going to have those kids in college hoops. You're usually going to have those kids for one or two years, and that's what's kind of allowed Minnesota Duluth. Um, to, to be so dominant is because now that they're good, they're getting some of those kids. But they were getting really good kids that were staying for four years. Yes. They were kind of like Butler of uh, you know college yeah, basketball. They had a program. They had a program. Not- they had a program. You know, kids are staying four years. Uh, you know, not as many kids draft. Because here's the other thing that I should have mentioned earlier that that people don't probably don't understand in hockey. You are drafted at either age eighteen or age nineteen. Those are your pretty much your two draft eligible years, but then you go to college, right? Um, and and then if you're good, at, depending on how you're looking, um, the NHL teams are going to try to get you to come your fr- after your freshman or sophomore year. Um, one thing that has gotten a few college players in because some guys get drafted or you know drafted late, you know fifth, sixth, seventh round. And they know they're a four-year project. Um, I think the NCAA is going to close the loophole. But right now, if you last all four years in college, you're t- the team who drafted you doesn't own your rights anymore. Right. 
Um, so a kid who may play major junior, if he plays major junior for two or three years, even four years, it's possible. Um, he's still held by his NHL team. If you go to college, you're not. And if you really grow like you're like you expect to, or or maybe you didn't expect to, you now control your own rights. So say you're, you know, even if you're good. You're really good, but you're going to be a fifth or a sixth defenseman, and you're drafted by a team, and you look at their their decor, and you're lo- they're loaded. Hell, you're looking at three years, two, three years in the AHL. You hold out. You become a free agent on June 1st. You go sign with a team that's going to give you a one-way contract, and you're going to be in the NHL the next year. Wow. When they close that loophole, you're, the, the college game is going to change again. Got it. Interesting. That's good. Well, the other thing that... The other thing that changed, too, is more, more you know, still going back 10, 15 years, as more college kids were making the NHL, because um, back in the 80s, it was few and far between guys from college going to the NHL. They were all major junior out of Canada. Um, so as more college kids started going to the NHL, the major junior teams started offering uh, more education packages where if you played there for a certain amount of years, they would pay for your college later in life. So it was okay. like, uh, all right, I'm not getting college now, but I'm going to play the best hockey in the world and they'll pay for college later. Um, so that, that changed the game a little bit because guys who would have gone to college went to major junior out instead. And, um, you know, and then as this four year rule came in, some guys had flat out said, no, I went to college because I knew I was going to be there at least three years. And if I didn't like the way things were looking with the team that drafted me, I'd stay in the fourth and become a free agent. Right. Um, so, like I said, the, the major juniors pivoted and started offering better education services after to compete with college when they were losing kids. So it got more college kids back. Then with this four-year rule, it changed a little bit. If the NHL closes that loophole, um, you'll see the game change again. Um, and a lot of the, uh, you'll see a few kids, more kids playing major junior. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, and I still, I still am fascinated by what might happen with this Big Ten hockey conference deal. I know Illinois keeps trying to start a program. Uh, Arizona State jumped in that as a big brand name school. You know, can these big quote BCS schools, the college football playoff schools, put these little schools out of business and we're going to find out, but it's a lot more fun when you've got these kind of like really unique situations out there. Yeah. And so I, I would like your uh, insight because every writer in college hockey was baffled and dumbfounded by it. And every coach in college hockey was baffled and dumbfounded by it. Long Island university going division one. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what happened is they merged schools, right? So, yep. So they had they had uh, you know they've got their CW Post campus on Long Island, they've got their Brooklyn campus in New York City, and one was Division One and one was Division Two. And what they decided to do was basically take the best sports that are out in Long Island and the best sports that are in New York City and kind of merge them into one athletic department, which no one's ever really done before. And so the football team's going to be on Long Island, the basketball team's going to be in Brooklyn, and blah blah blah. And so. I do think them consolidating into one athletic department instead of two gives them a shot. But at the end of the day, and I guess I'll go back to you on this, what's the recruiting base and what, what do you see for them? Because I, I don't know that – I think it's going to be tough to get over the hump because it's not like LIU's Arizona State in terms of brand name. Yeah, and it's not like when Penn State went Division One, where they, 
where they had a ton of money and a ton of uh, they, they had a they had a club program that was very good with you know with just kind of building hockey right it came out of nowhere they're planning to play next year um the budget for their coach um i know someone who was offered their head coaching job and he was making uh more as an assistant at um an atlantic hockey school wow yeah so that's probably not a great start right um the a the atlantic hockey association from what i understand doesn't want them oh wow it's even worse um, because the talk is that Navy's going to go Division One in hockey. Oh, yeah, and if they do that, then it's over, because you want a brand-name school. Yeah, and they already have Army and Air Force. Correct. So you've got, I mean, there's no, you definitely take Navy, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. Um, this All this COVID and coronavirus stuff may help it. Um, one of the things that we spoke about earlier that may help them is those upstate New York schools yep. with their travel budgets. In the, in the in union, hell, you can you can get a you can play a home and home with them or a road series against them. You know, I don't know why you would go on the ro- on the road, but it's a it's another bus trip for a lot of those schools. Um, yeah, so I mean that could help them. That's fair. And I always did think that there's there's something about um, you know if they can pull it off, they're that close to New York City and they're just kind of in a they're just in a spot where there's not a lot of hockey. On Long Island, you know what I mean? Like, there's definitely hockey all around it, but not college hockey on Long Island, so you never know, but... And, and, and they've said, I, 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 free, I think they might be playing at the Barclays Center with a plan to play at the... Uh, they had a weird statement. Like, they're going to play at the Barclays with a plan to play at um, the Islanders' new arena but would be open to playing at Madison Square Garden. Sorry, dude. Madison Square Garden's not going to going to give you 15 to 20 dates a year uh, where you're going to draw 3,000 if even. And then the place is going to be a mausoleum. There's going to be no atmosphere at Listen, all. I've watched I've watched men's college basketball games at Madison Square Garden with 2,000 people. It's not a good scene. No. It is not a good building to have nobody in. It's yeah. a great no. building to have packed to the gills. It is not a good building to be empty. Yeah. And, and one thing that I, I, I should have brought up earlier, and this is a call back to your uh, podcast with um, your buddy who was the assistant at Villanova. Oh, Ashley, Ashley Howard, yeah. Yeah, Ashley Howard. The one thing that these schools have, and we talked about out as a fair son of them, Ashley said every time you go into a Biggie's building, it is the number one ticket. It is, it is fans on top of you screaming at you because these people die with the teams, live and die with their teams. He said, you know, they, those schools don't have football. That's what it's like at these schools, and that's why it can work, and that's why when it does work, it's a great thing. Agreed, and I would say that's why at least one of these schools, you know, at least one or not two of them have been in the NCAA tournament in the last couple of years because somebody's always, somebody's always got the right coach, and the right, you know, the right strategy and the right atmosphere to kind of catch that lightning in a bottle. And sometimes they let it run for 10 years in a row, and sometimes, you know, the, the guys down the street steal it from them. But to your point, they're all fighting for the same thing, and they all have the right ingredients if they've got, if, you know, they all have the ability to have the right ingredients. Yeah, but it, it, like you said, there, there's not enough ingredients to go around for all of them at the same time. Absolutely. And, and I'll give you a good example of that, right? So when Michigan State and Ohio State and Michigan are all good at football. Oh wait, that never happens. At least one of them's not good every time because there's only so many guys. Yep. Other other than a stretch in the um, in the late eighties, early nineties, 
Florida State, Miami, and Florida aren't nearly as good. Yeah. Uh, as you, you know, there, there's two out of the three of them that are good, and, and right. recently it's been one out of the three because all the other smaller schools, you know, the F, FIU's, FAU's of the world, are just getting all it takes is is you're missing three guys that would play, especially right. in hockey. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Because in football, you know, it's, it's one out. Of, you know, three guys is three out of twenty-two. You know, because no one's playing two ways. In hockey, and I know they have shifts, but you know, it's three guys out of six. You know, your top guys. Yeah. That ain't good. That ain't good. No, it's it's, it's different. It's interesting. I, it's going to be interesting to see the Big Ten really hasn't been that successful at hockey since they started. Well, you know what it was is now they're all fighting under the same umbrella. You know, for the same kids again. You know, like somebody will emerge from this as as victorious, yes. but right now it's not happening. Yeah, and the uh, the NCHC has has raised up as the best college hockey conference in the country, not the Big Ten. And you know what? Part of that's the irony of like it's a hockey con- it's a hockey conference, right? Yep. Beautiful. All right, man. Hey, anything else before we go? I know we got pro hockey playoffs coming soon. Tennis is going to come back at some point. Horse racing is coming back at some point. All the turf and lawn sports, but. Great job tonight. What a, what a, we got we got plenty of content tonight out of a, a beautiful thing called Division Three, Division Two playing Division One college hockey. Yeah, it, it was definitely niche. Half people are like, "What are they talking about?" Uh, your father and McDermott will be upset that I didn't go on any rants. Although I guess I did a little bit about Alabama Huntsville. Um, yeah, you started yeah, off hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But no, it's it, it's good. It's, it's it's something that, like I said, I wish it was a national sport. Uh, I was told by somebody that uh, when Arizona State started, they thought that a couple of the other Pac-12 schools would hop on board, and they didn't. And they were thinking it was going to be um, Arizona, who has a great club program, University of Utah, who has a great club program. And I even heard Colorado. And back to this, if Colorado, if the Pac-12 was to ever sponsor hockey, or Pac-8, since I'm living back in the day, yeah. and Colorado was go to Division One. That could doom Colorado College. Yeah, that that kills that 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 steals those kids basically. Yeah. Interesting. All right, man. We will leave it there. Stick around for a minute. We will catch up. Andy Maslin, as always, good to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me.